0: Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's message from Horizon West Church. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at horizonwestchurch.com. And if you're in the Horizon West area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now enjoy this podcast from Horizon West Church. Well, today we're going to continue our series, Stories of Hope. And uh, one of the things that's happened each week as I've prepared the message for the weekend is that a key word has emerged as I've read the text. Not necessarily a word that's in the biblical text, but a word that God impressed on my heart. And I'll give you an example. As I studied Luke chapter 7 about this sinful woman who placed herself at the feet of Jesus, the word that came to mind was Categories. Uh, This Pharisee, Simon, was looking for a category to place the woman and himself and even Jesus in. And so we talked about that. And then in John chapter 3, the Pharisee, Nicodemus, who came to Jesus at night, the word that got impressed on my heart was myths. That Nicodemus had believed a series of myths that Jesus was going to set right for him. Well, this week we're in Luke chapter 17. I invite you to turn there in your Bible or in a Bible app. And the word that God has impressed on my heart for this passage is the word unexpected. Now, I don't know about you, but I love watching a good movie. And I especially like good movies in which there is an unexpected plot twist at the end. I'm gonna tell you in just a second my favorite plot twists in movies. I wanna encourage you as you're watching online to just leave in the comments, what's a movie that has a great plot twist? Um, and, and I'll give you my top five in this order, from five to, five to one. Number five is High Crimes. Number four, Fight Club. Number three, The Others. Number two, The Prestige. And my number one plot twist movie of all time is Sixth Sense. Um, Now, I'm not necessarily recommending those movies. I'm just telling you they have incredible plot twists at the end. Now, here's what I know to be true. Plot twists are a lot of fun when you're watching a movie. They are not a lot of fun when it comes to real life. Perhaps you have experienced some of these plot twists. You thought that you were in good health, but all of a sudden your yearly checkup came along and there was a plot twist. You thought that your marriage was in a good place, but all of a sudden you were engaged in a conversation with your spouse and there was a plot twist. You thought that you had done everything you could and perhaps you had done everything you could to raise your children, to believe in the Lord and to follow him, but they came to a place where there was a plot twist. Or you've worked at the same job for five or 10 or 20 years or more and your boss calls you in and suddenly there's an unexpected plot twist. You know, in many ways, the Gospels, uh, the books in the Bible that tell about Jesus' life and death and resurrection are a series of unexpected twists that lead to the greatest plot ever unfolded. And we're going to look at one of those stories today. Luke chapter 17, beginning at verse 11, goes like this. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance And they lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Here's the first unexpected twist in the story of Luke 17 that we're going to see. And it's an unexpected encounter. Verse 11 tells us that Jesus was passing along, which means that Jesus was not yet at the destination he had set out for, but something interrupts him, something comes across his path that was not expected. You know, it consistently amazes me as I look at the life and ministry of Jesus, how much of his ministry is a response to unexpected circumstances. Time and time again, we we see Jesus responding to interruptions around him, unexpected circumstances around him. And I believe there's a principle that we can learn from this. If you don't have time to stop and meet a need, then you're too busy. And quite honestly, you're busier than Jesus. Someone told me early in my ministry, and and I have always remembered this, it's resonated deeply with me, people are never an interruption to your ministry, they are your ministry. Now apply that in your context. You you may not be a full-time vocational pastor or church ministry worker, but in your context the same is true. People are never an interruption to your life, they're an opportunity for ministry. This is the approach that Jesus always took with people, and we're going to see it again here in Luke 17. Now by way of context, I need you to know that where this event is going to take place is between Samaria and Galilee, and these are important cities because Galilee is the home where or the hometown where Jesus grew up. It's also where 11 of the 12 disciples grew up. And Samaria is a location a little bit north of that that was hated by jews jews hated samaritan people and looked down on them and this is going to become an important detail in the story jesus and the disciples are between galilee and samaria and then also we're going to see who is involved in this story the text tells us there are 10 lepers lepers refers to those who were dealing with leprosy or or a skin issue of any kind and these skin issues, leprosy brought, brought both physical anguish and also religious exclusion and social isolation. It was a really bad deal. I find it interesting that as these 10 men approach Jesus, it says that they stand at a distance. In other words, they're applying social distancing. And I have a feeling that it's probably a little more than six feet. And they call out with a simple request of Jesus. They call in a loud voice, Jesus Have mercy on us. Now, I wonder how these individuals knew to come to Jesus. To me, there can only be one answer to the question. Somehow or other, these lepers had heard, and my guess is they heard it from another former leper, that Jesus was someone who could bring healing, that Jesus was someone that could cure their disease. See, this is how gospel ministry works and how the gospel spreads. When those of us who have found cleansing and healing and hope in Jesus go back to others who are like us or like we were in our workplace, in our neighborhoods, in our families, and we, as one person said, come as a beggar telling other beggars where we found bread. See, these 10 lepers had heard from someone that Jesus was the kind of person that not only was able to heal them, but that he was willing to do so. One of the things that we've highlighted throughout this year of 2020 is what we call our gospel conversations wall. We've got a picture of it here that I'm going to refer to. And, and each of these pins on this wall represent a gospel conversation, an opportunity that we've had to point someone else to the hope that they can find in Jesus. This is what was happening, I believe, in the story of the 10 lepers. This is what continues to happen into our day. And I'm getting the opportunity even this week to sit down with somebody and share with them how they can find hope in Jesus. Go to Luke 17 and verse 14 as it says this. When Jesus saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. I'm gonna stop there. So these lepers have have, uh, created an unexpected encounter with Jesus. They've come out from their their isolated community. They've shouted to him, Jesus have mercy on us. And what we're going to see second is an unexpected solution. Now here's what I would have expected Jesus to do in the passage. I would have expected maybe Jesus to heal the lepers through physical touch. In fact, in uh, Mark chapter 1 and in Matthew chapter 8, Jesus heals a leper in just that way. Or at least maybe I would expect that Jesus, if he doesn't touch the people, he would at least maybe speak a word of healing that would instantaneously cure them of their leprosy. Whatever the mode, my, my expectation of Jesus would be, be that he would directly and immediately heal these men, but he doesn't. Instead, he says this in verse 14. Go and show yourselves to the priests. Now, what in the world is that about? Well, based on Old Testament law, and we find this in Leviticus chapter 14, that there is a a ritual for those who have been healed or cleansed of leprosy. And it lists all the things that they're to do. But the, the linchpin and the whole thing, the most important part of all of that, is that they're to go and show themselves to the priests, and the priests are the ones who verify whether or not these individuals have actually been healed of their leprosy. But interestingly. It's not the way that Jesus healed other lepers. In fact, there are examples throughout the New Testament and the Gospels of Jesus healing uh, the same disease in different ways or or two different people on the same day in different ways. Let me give you an example. There was once a, a blind man named Bartimaeus who called out to Jesus for healing in much the same way that these lepers did. And we know that Jesus healed the man by simply speaking a word of healing over him. But there was another blind man in John chapter 9 in whom Jesus took mud and saliva and rubbed it on the man's eyes and had him wash in a pool. Now, why the different modes, I don't know, but we know that this is consistent with Jesus. Another example of this is that on the same day, there was a bleeding woman who touched the hem of Jesus' garment and was healed through her touching of Jesus. And just moments later, a little girl was raised to life by the word of Jesus. So here's what we can come to that though the source of healing is always the same, it's always Jesus, the mode of healing is sometimes different. The classic example of this as a sermon illustration, and you've probably heard it before, is the man who was on the roof of his house as floods were rising, and he's begging God to send rescue, begging God for salvation. And a neighbor who uh, is a little stronger than him swims out to the man and says, I can rescue you. And the man says, no, I'm, I'm waiting on God to save me. And so the neighbor swims away. And then another neighbor comes in a boat and says, jump in. I'm here to rescue you. And the man says, no, I'm waiting for God to rescue me. And finally, a helicopter comes and it lowers a rope and it says, grab, grab, the, hel- uh, grab the rope. And the man says, no, 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 I've, I've asked God. I'm waiting for God. Well, the man drowns and goes to heaven and God says, Uh, Why didn't you take the the things that I sent you? And he said, I was waiting for your answer. He said, I gave you one. It was your neighbor. It was the boat. It was the helicopter. See, when we get into this mode where we think this is the way God's got to answer our prayers, sometimes we miss his movement. This is exactly what they were in danger of in the story. Now, in the case of these lepers here in Luke 17, Scripture tells us that they were healed as they went from the presence of Jesus. Go back to the passage in verse 15, Luke 17:15. Then one of them, one of the lepers, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner?" The third sequence that we see in this story, the third unexpected plot twist is an unexpected response. Now, let me ask this question and let's wrestle with this for just a moment. When do you think that these lepers were healed? Because it just says as they went, they were healed. So we don't know the exact timeline. What we do know is that somewhere between the presence of Jesus and the proximity of the temple, suddenly the men were cured of their leprosy. The language seems to indicate that one of the ten never even reached the temple, never even got to the priests. Listen again to what verse 15 says. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back. In other words, the moment that this individual saw he'd been healed by Jesus, he raced back to Jesus. And notice where he ends up. At the feet of Jesus. Just like the demon-possessed man in Mark 5, who Jesus restored. Just like the sinful woman in Luke 7, whom Jesus had forgiven. See, I I fear that we have a skewed view of of praise or thanks or gratitude in our culture. And I want to speak to it for just a moment. You may be familiar with Marie Kondo. Marie Kondo is the the, uh, uh, reality host who who helps people get their lives organized and cleaned up. and, And it's a great show. I'm not knocking it. But one of the things Marie Kondo introduced was this idea that when you're disposing of something that you need to get rid of, you say, thank you for bringing me joy to the thing. Now, this would seem to be clearly a non-Christian idea, right? That we would thank things for bringing us joy. And yet recently, Nikki was reading me a post by a Christian author in which this author was thanking Colorado for its beauty, thanking the trees for giving her shade and thanking the sky for its light and all of these things. And I just thought to myself, man, is this where we're at as a culture, that we've so removed God from the equation that even in our gratitude and our thanksgiving, we don't know the place to bring it. Christian gratitude is always giving thanks to God for something or someone. And personally, I believe anything less than this is idolatry because it elevates the gift to the place of the giver. Christians, we must not do that. People who grasp what Jesus has done for them cannot help but place themselves at his feet in worship. So we can ask this question, how is this an unexpected response, right? Because that's what we're talking about. Number three, an unexpected response. Well, I would submit to you that this actually is not an unexpected response. What's unexpected in the story is that nine of the ten don't return to bring gratitude, don't return to give thanks But there's something even more unexpected than that. And it has to do with the person, the leper, who did return. Now remember I told you earlier that a significant detail is embedded at the top of the story. Remember where Jesus is. He's between Galilee and Samaria. And right here, as if for dramatic effect, Luke is going to choose this moment to reveal a plot twist. Look again at verse 16. It says this, Now he, the leper who was healed, was... A Samaritan. This reveals to us that there are really two primary purposes for this story in Luke 17. One is to understand that blessings from God merit thanksgiving to God. In other words, when God has blessed us, it is only right for us to return to give him thanks. That's the most obvious. But there's a second purpose, and it is this. To teach us that godliness is not determined by one's ethnicity, but by one's response to the person of Jesus. Presumably of these 10 men who live between Galilee and Samaria, the other nine are Galileans. In other words, the other nine are like the disciples, like Jesus ethnically. But it's not those nine who return, is it? It's the one Samaritan. In other words, the one who is least likely, most unexpected, he in fact is the one who returns to give thanks. One more verse. As we prepare to close, Luke 17 and verse 19, this is how the story ends. And Jesus said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. The final unexpected twist in the story is this. It's an unexpected conclusion. Recall at the beginning of the story that the lepers coming to meet Jesus made a simple request of him. Jesus, master, have mercy on us. I wonder what was the mercy that these 10 lepers were seeking from Jesus. Well, the truth is it becomes obvious by the end of the story. For nine of the 10 lepers, the mercy they wanted from Jesus was nothing more than physical healing. Once they got that, they were done with Jesus. They could move on from Jesus. They got what they bargained for, but it was different with the one. ESV says it this way in verse 19, Your faith has made you well. That word in Greek for made well is the word sozo. It means it has saved you. That would be a better translation. Jesus says to this leper who has returned to give thanks, your faith has saved you. So whereas this story is framed as a physical disease in need of a physical cleansing, it concludes with a greater miracle. The salvation of one of the 10 lepers by faith. There's a lot of places that we could go in conclusion of this message, but here's where I want to land. The clearest teaching from this passage is that those who have been touched by Jesus, those who have been saved, redeemed, cleansed, and made whole by Jesus, man, it's only right for us to give thanks. It's only right for us to praise him. It's only right for us to worship the one who has saved us. And what I want to do is I want to give you a tangible way that you can express gratitude for God to God rather for something he's done in your life. In just a moment, I want to encourage you in the comments section to, to jot down or write down something God has done for you. And, and I'm going to challenge you to make it something that's happened in 2020. See, it would be very like the nine in the story of Luke 17 if we just said, man, 2020 has just been terrible. It's just been awful. There's been no good in it. But it would be very much like the one to pause and say, no, God, in fact, despite the circumstances, despite the difficulties, you have been good. You have blessed me. You've been merciful. And to express that gratitude to God in a tangible way. And so I want to encourage you to take a moment and jot down in the comments these words, I am thankful to God for, and then you fill in the blank with what that is. Doesn't mean it's all been a good year. Doesn't mean it's all been easy or, or, or a blessing. What it means is that you recognize that in the midst of the challenge, God has been good to you. And let me give you one final challenge. If you're fill in the blank, God, I'm thankful to you for, if that's a person, a friend, a family member, somebody in the church here, somebody in another church, I wanna encourage you to let them know today. Shoot them a text, send them a Facebook message, a phone call, and say, hey friend, I just want you to know that I'm thankful to God for you. And be specific, what is it about that person that you're thankful for? So here's how we're going to close today. I want to just pause for a few seconds. I want to let you write in the comments what you're thankful for. To the rest of us, we can just quietly reflect. In the moment, the band is going to lead us in worship. But before they do that, let's be quiet, let's pause, and then I'll close us in a word of prayer. God, we want to pause just for a moment. And God, recognize that for a lot of our day, a lot of our life, Lord, we, we probably reflect more of the nine lepers who just receive the blessing of God and the mercy of God, but never stop long enough to really say thank you. And God, to worship you and to praise you for what you've done. And God, even beyond our salvation, Lord, you've blessed us in so many tangible ways ways that are good and, and healing and cleansing. And God, we just want to pause and thank you for those things as well. God, you are good to us. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your grace. Most of all, we thank you for the gift of Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Horizon West Church Podcast. If you are inspired or encouraged by something you heard today, share it with a friend. For more information like our service time, location, and other info, be sure to visit us online at horizonwestchurch.com. Have a great week.